I have been thinking a lot about treats and rewards, how important it is to have them in our life, not just as a way of incentivizing desirable behavior, although that's not a bad way to use them, but also because they make life more pleasurable and enjoyable, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there is a shadow side, or at least there can be. Treats and rewards can have unintended consequences. So while I do want you to have plenty of treats and rewards in your life, I also want you to be intentional and thoughtful about them. All right, all right, everyone, take your seats or lace up your sneaks. We're about to get started. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagle, and in this show, we talk about what it takes to create healthier mindsets and habits in our own lives, as well as how we can create healthier communities and workplaces. Whether you're working on your own health and well-being or promoting healthy behaviors is your job, we're going to talk about what works, what's hard, what's needed, and what's next. Let's jump in. I'll be honest with you, this was not actually the topic that I originally planned for this episode, but this theme of treats and rewards is coming up in a lot of my conversations right now, work with my coaching clients, chats with people who have reached out to talk about working together, even with my friends and my colleagues. And it's one that we've touched on in the past here on The Change Academy, but I think it's time to revisit it. Now, before we jump into that, I do want to mention something because it's time sensitive. Cassie, Christopher, and I are offering a brand new program called Body Image Repair and Resilience, and it kicks off on October 7th. This is for anyone who has ever struggled with their own body image or who struggles with that tension between self-improvement and self-acceptance. I am just so thrilled to be teaming up with Cassie to offer this really transformative experience, and I want to be sure that if this might be a value to you, you don't miss it. Right now, this is a one-off thing, not something that we are planning to make available in the future. So if you'd like to join us, you can find out more at wayless.life body. So this thing that keeps coming up in my conversations has to do with using food as a reward or a treat. And this is something that many of us have learned to do. We may feel like we deserve a reward for finishing a difficult task, or we may feel we need a treat because it's been a tough day, or because we've spent the entire day working on other people's needs and agendas, and now we feel we've earned a little something pleasurable for ourselves. Or maybe we've been trained from a young age to expect something sweet at the end of every meal. There are a million ways that we rationalize this. But many of the people that I work with have identified the fact that this isn't working for them. Maybe they recognize that they're consuming too much sugar or other types of junk food, and it's just not optimal for their nutrition. Or it's adding too many calories to their day, and this is interfering with their weight management efforts. So they decide that they need to stop using food this way, and this turns out to be much harder than they thought. They really miss those treats. They feel deprived without them, and they struggle to find other things that feel equally rewarding. And I totally get this. Now, you may remember from conversation I had with Michelle Seeger on the podcast last year 
She pointed out that food is often encoded with memories that give those foods a lot of emotional power. So there's that working on us. And then biologically speaking, food can just be extremely rewarding to the brain, especially foods that are high in sugar and fat and, you know, all the better things. And Look, unlike certain other highly rewarding substances, food is legal. It's constantly available. It's socially acceptable. But really, any highly rewarding behavior has this potential to be abused, to be overused, and to cause harm. So let's talk a little bit about how this whole reward system works. The brain is primed to repeat pleasurable behaviors. And dopamine is the chemical that does this priming. So when you experience something pleasurable, your body produces dopamine as a sort of marker to say, remember this, do this again. And the more often we repeat those behaviors in response to the same cues, the more habitual they become in part because they are so rewarding. That is a fast track to habit formation where we end up just reaching for these treats automatically without even thinking about it. And this is often where the problems can start. Too many desserts or too many treats and we may gain weight or we may see our blood sugar going up. Too many glasses of wine and our sleep may suffer. Too much time playing video games and our work or our relationships can be negatively affected. And this is why we want to be intentional and thoughtful about how we reward ourselves and what sorts of habits and behaviors we want to reward and reinforce. Now, a lot of people believe that the reason that they have so much trouble abstaining from things like sugar or alcohol is that they've become addicted Often we think we've, we're addicted to that hit of dopamine, but that's not how this works. Dopamine itself isn't a feel-good hormone. It doesn't make you feel particularly good. It simply primes the brain to remember and to repeat the circumstances that have activated the reward centers of the brain. So it's not the dopamine that you're missing when you stop practicing the behavior. It's actually the reward. Now, of course, I should point out that dopamine isn't only triggered by harmful substances or unwanted behaviors. Going for a walk in nature, calling a friend, having sex, creating art, and just experiencing new things. These can all trigger responses from your brain's reward center, and that can trigger dopamine. Your brain saying, hey, remember this. This is nice. Let's do this again. But if we are overusing a highly rewarding substance like food or alcohol, it can be a little bit harder to get the brain to respond to more subtle rewards like time spent in nature or with a loved one. And this is why I feel so strongly that everyone needs to create and maintain their own personal list of things that they find authentically and deeply rewarding and turn to that list frequently so that when you're trying to break a highly rewarding habit 
or you're looking for alternate ways to treat and reward yourself, you've got that deep bench of possibilities. Now, I will grant you that it may still require some intentional repetition to rewire an old habit cycle that just automatically has you reaching for that familiar treat in response to certain cues. But eventually, your brain can learn to turn toward new rewards in those old situations. So here's an exercise that you can do to jumpstart that list of treats and rewards. Start by just making a list of activities that you find rewarding, that give you pleasure. And I want you to make this list as comprehensive as you can. Include the small rewards and the big ones, mental pleasures as well as physical ones. Think about things that you might do every day as well as things that you do only rarely or even that you've never done but would sort of like to. And At this point, don't censor those things that you feel like you probably shouldn't enjoy or you wish you didn't enjoy them so much. If it feels good to you, it goes on the list. Put it on the list. Even if it's something that you've decided that you need to maybe be enjoying a little bit less often. Now, if you're having trouble coming up with things to put on your list, and I hear this frequently, spend the next few days really paying attention. Take some notes on the things that bring you pleasure, that make you smile, even for a moment. Be really alert to those rewarding moments. There may be more in your life than you than you notice, and just this can be a deeply rewarding activity. So see if you can notice the kinds of things that bring you even just a little bump of pleasure. You can also use your imagination and See if you can make a list of all the things that you think other people find rewarding and pleasurable and check in and see whether they might hold something for you as well. Now, if your list, when you make it, you look over it, if it seems to be a whole lot of things that you find, you know, okay, but not deeply pleasurable, I want you to think of how you might up-level those things to make them more of an A-list kind of treat. For example, maybe you find knitting or crocheting to be relaxing and, you know, rewarding in a mild sort of way, but not in a way that it feels like it can compete with whatever treat you're trying to move away from. Could you treat yourself to some new materials or some new tools that would really elevate that experience for you, make it a little bit more exciting or set up a really enticing spot to retreat to when you're treating yourself to a little me time, really surround it with other things that make, that elevate the experience. How can you make a mildly rewarding activity super rewarding? It's really kind of a fun game to play with yourself. Listening to music is kind of nice, but listening to music through really awesome headphones or, you know, putting on some dramatic lighting, I mean, that might turn that into something that you can really look forward to. Taking a walk with your dog might feel a lot more rewarding if you are willing to hop in the car and drive for five or 10 minutes to reach a really nice walking path. So give that some thought. See how you can maybe elevate some of your B-list treats into A-list treats. 
All right, once you've got a really nice, long list of varied things, I want you to go down that list again and put an X next to anything that's on your list where whatever that might cost you indulging in that treat, whether it costs you in time, in money, in energy, or maybe in health, when the cost of that is greater actually than the reward that you're getting, or even just more than you really want to pay, put an X next to those treats that are costly in that way. And now go through your list again and put a check mark or a star next to anything on that list that you feel would not only be rewarding in the moment, but would actually make your life better, richer, if you were to do them more often. I think we all have things like that on our list, and I don't know why we don't actually reach for them more often, but let's put stars next to them so that we can start building those into our life more frequently. Now, look, I started my own personal list of treats and rewards way back in 2019, and I still add to it. I still refer to it when I just need some ideas or inspiration for how I might want to treat or reward myself. I mean, this is one of the most valuable, one of the most dog-eared pages in my journal. In fact, it's worse than dog-eared. I actually tore it out of my my journal when I got to the end of that journal and stuffed it inside the cover of my new one so I could still refer to it. So this is a living document. It's really important to have things to look forward to. And this is another reason why I want to encourage you to make treats a more intentional part of your lifestyle. Don't be stingy with yourself. Plan some treats. And planning your treats offers at least three advantages. Number one, you can choose better treats. You know, when we fail to intentionally choose and plan our treats, we're much more likely to just impulsively give in to random things that cross our path. You know, you pass by a tray of stale donuts in the office kitchen, and you suddenly feel like it's been too long since you've allowed yourself a treat. But come on, what a waste of a treat, a stale donut. So when we don't plan, we tend to settle for less worthy treats. The second advantage to planning treats is that your anticipation increases your enjoyment. And this is backed by research. Research shows that looking forward to something can actually be the most pleasurable part of that experience. And other studies suggest that you can even amplify your enjoyment of a given experience by waiting a little bit longer to enjoy it. So when you're wasting your indulgences or your treats on unplanned and often unworthy temptations, you're actually depriving yourself of the additional pleasure that comes from anticipating a really special chosen treat. Finally, planning treats, planning good treats can increase restraint. So when you have something specific that you're looking forward to and a plan for when and how you're going to enjoy that, it can then make it so much easier to resist that passing temptation when those unplanned and less worthy treats cross your path. So you're not saying no constantly. You're simply saying not this or maybe not yet. So 
just to wrap up, I, I want to offer a, a couple of takeaways from this episode. Number one, focusing exclusively on the things that we need to give up or we want to give up is not a fun way to go through life. And it's also very likely to backfire because when we're overly restrictive, those feelings of deprivation and resentment can build up until we just break down and indulge and you know, more often overindulge. Number two, if you're attempting to stop using certain things as treats or rewards, you may have very good reasons, consider what you want to replace them with. And if those replacements don't feel sufficiently rewarding or compelling, think about how you might up-level those new rewards to make them just a little bit juicier. Number three, cultivating more awareness and anticipation of the treats in your life can be a really powerful antidote to feelings of fatigue, deprivation, or resentment. And I think we could all probably use a little bit less of those things in our lives. And finally, when you're planning your day or your week, which I hope you do, after you've put everything on the list that you need to get done, you want to get done, I want you to ask yourself what you are looking forward to. And if there's nothing on your schedule, on your calendar, on your to-do list that you're actually looking forward to, see what you can do to fix that. And if you need to, get out that list. Take a look at that list. Sometimes it can even be as simple as reframing a task in a way that makes it feel more rewarding. I would love to hear from you about today's topic. Tell me about your relationship to treats and rewards. How do you use them? <laughs> how, how do they use you? Once again, if you would like to get in on that body image repair and resilience program with Cassie Christopher, we would love to have you join us. Just go to wayless.life slash body for all the details and to sign up, but don't delay because that starts really soon. And if that's not the work that you most need to do right now, but you feel like you do need some more support, feel free to reach out to me personally. I'd be happy to chat with you about what other options might look like. You can email me at hello at changeacademypodcast.com or just by clicking on the link in the show notes. And speaking of links in the show notes, thank you to all of you who have clicked on our new support link this month and sent me and Brock a coffee, or some of you have sent us several. We appreciate that gesture and that coffee more than you can ever know. All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Monica Reinagel. Our show is produced by me, Brock Armstrong. You'll find links to everything Monica mentioned in today's episode in our show notes, as well as on our website at changeacademypodcast.com, where you can also send us an email or leave us a voicemail. If you're finding this podcast helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or even better, give our show a rating or review in your favorite podcast app. Or, best of all, share this episode with a friend or colleague you think would enjoy it. Now here's to the changes we choose.